0: Welcome to Adequate, the Sunday Company After Show, live from the Regal Beagle. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Christian Xavier with Adequate, the Sunco After Show. And to my right, I have the always awesome. Oh, adequately awesome, Steve Buschka. Come on, Steve, you know you're more than adequately awesome. Wouldn't that uh, exempt me from the show? Well, no, it wouldn't, because sometimes we excel. Oh, sometimes we're just there for some words. I'm fine with excellence being adequacy. Well, you know what? Adequacy is good, normally, but it's all good. Anyways, welcome everybody. This is episode 10, and today we're going to be talking about a few different things. In particular, uh, three things that we did practice and rehearse today, one of which is learning how to be a referee or a host for a show. It's something that I know that I struggle with and a lot of our other players struggle with because we do host our own shows and to be honest the only time i ever got close to hosting i actually had to leave for a family emergency so i was unable to do and that was really late notice so i have little to no experience but i know steve i've seen you host a few shows what what has that experience been like for you what what has been the biggest challenge and what are the takeaways that you have learned through your experience in hosting?
1: Yeah, I've been hosting once a month, once every other month for probably a year and a half now. Uh, the biggest takeaway is kind of audience control and energy. Mm-hmm. Early on when I started improv, my energy in the show kind of fed off of the energy of the audience. But as the host, you're really the conductor, you're, you're the, the band director, the, the person in charge of everything. And the number one thing that you're in charge of, in addition to setting up the games and laying out the rules, is making sure that the audience is alive and into it and and vibing with it. And so that idea of kind of creating the energy and injecting the energy into the audience and kind of orchestrating that is is something that I think takes a little bit of time. Because when you start off, you're so worried about saying the right script and introducing the games correctly and remembering how the show is supposed to pace
0: that you kind of forget that you also need to be the leader of the crowd. And I think... To that point, it's something that we have seen Akili excel at in the last couple of months. Every time she hosts a show, she runs that crowd. And it's it, it may be a small crowd of uh, 15, 20 people or 10 people or whatever the case is, but overall... She brings the energy from that crowd like it's 40 or 50 people in the crowd. And I think that has really benefited the team in their performances throughout that evening. Yeah, enthusiasm and
1: positivity go a long, long way when you're hosting. And sometimes as a team when we're performing, we have the tendency to get a little small and get a little quiet when the audience isn't quite there. But as the host, you don't have that option because you are the noise. You bring the noise. You bring the energy. And so it's just it's about staying positive. One of the things I struggled with when I first started hosting was keeping positive. I was so in my mind, again, trying to remember, what am I supposed to say here? What game's next? Am I hitting all the, the bullet points that I need to hit in my speeches that I forgot to just smile and look like I was having fun? And once you kind of hit that point where you're smiling, having fun and
0: joking with the audience, that's when you can kind of really create that connection. And... One of the things that Gordy, who, by the way, is a former Sunco member who has moved out to main stage, awesome host, awesome player, he actually coached us today in in this whole uh, referee aspect of improv comedy at National Comedy Theater. One of the things he brought up today was specifically, in the first few times you host, get through the paces, get through the motions, and once you're ready with that, once it clicks, like you put it, you're ready to go through and expand your approach to it bring the energy bring the smile but also know what you're supposed to say and when you're ready you're going to be able to let go of the mind step by step of what have i done what have i missed to be able to just do it go out there and have fun much like you're doing when you're playing yeah once once
1: the script becomes automatic that's when you can really kind of build out and support your personality as a host. And I think everyone develops their own unique personality, which is probably just a shade of who they are as a person. Um, someone like Keely is just like, super high energy, super positive, which kind of mirrors how she is, generally speaking.
0: And uh, that's one of the things yeah. that, that uh, Gordy brought up today was specifically when you're a host, you're yourself, but not. And he even brought up examples of, of actors that are pretty well known that will do a guest bot on a TV show or in a film or whatever the case might be and they speci- he specifically called it out as they're playing themselves but more of a slightly exaggerated caricature of themselves not truly them yeah. just like John Malkovich and being John Malkovich for example or, or Julia Roberts and Ocean's 12 I mean it's 13, Ocean's 13 I think it's one of those things where it was beyond or above and beyond just who they are as a person and if you bring that to the stage with slightly more energy, slightly bigger, that smile that is natural to who you are, but still, you can tell it's performance art because you're on stage, Yeah, I, I think, think that's uh, how it plays.
1: One fun, one fun example I've always enjoyed thinking about, you remember the show Tosh.0? Oh? Yeah. Uh, I guess the guy, is I guess his name is Tosh. Uh, Daniel Tosh is. Yeah. Apparently, he's um, like super introverted and very shy around people, but when he hosts his show, he has his persona. And ultimately, it's who he is, probably when he's alone in his comfort zone, but it's who he is, and he can kind of switch on that character. And he, he's got that charisma buried inside, and he just lets it out. And the situation where he wouldn't normally otherwise do it if it was just
0: like a conversation on the street or meeting a fan on, on the road. And, and to be honest, that doesn't just apply to Daniel Tosh. I, from what I've read, and some of the comedians I've, I've talked to and, and uh, have studied up on over the last few years... That tends to happen with a lot of comedians. Uh, Steve Martin is very much an introvert when you see him on the street, but if you see him on stage, if you see him on a talk show, if you see him uh, in a performance environment, if you will, he is talkative. He is outgoing. He's energetic, and that is his persona. And much to that point, on my personal life, I, for example, am very much introverted.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I break out of that shell, if you will, only during times where I'm with close friends and I feel comfortable or when I'm on stage and have to perform. The only other exception to that is when I'm in my day job, for example, which, by the way, for everyone listening, is not a podcast host because I'm not that good at that. And it's not improv because this is what we do on the weekends for fun right now. Hopefully someday it could turn out to be something full-time, but not right now. I am an engineer by trade. So for me, if it's work-related, I will talk to whomever I need to talk to. I will reach out. I will not have that shyness, but you put me in a social environment, and that changes completely.
1: Yeah, it's funny. At work, it took me the longest time to get comfortable calling people on the phone. I just, you know, why can't I send them an email or why can't I instant message them? But to, to get on the phone with someone and kind of talk through, hey, this isn't going well or hey, I need something for you, that took me a long time. But it's funny because when I do improv and I get up on stage and I'm doing the show we're hosting, I, it doesn't phase me in the same way. And I guess that while who I am on stage is still me, I, I feel like it's a different part of me that I'm more comfortable kind of presenting and sharing with the world. And so it's kind of cool to have that stage persona where I've got the confidence that I can just kind of kind of go
0: with it. and, and I don't know, I, I find hosting to be a lot of fun. And it's one of those challenges that I feel like I need to do next. Uh, and I, I hesitate to say that on this because I know some of the people listening will basically say, great, he's going to be host next. Uh, I still feel like I don't have the, the experience necessary to do it comfortably, although after the exercises today, I feel like maybe... I need to force myself to get there. The only way to get there is repetition. The first couple times, you're going to be shaking in your boots
1: trying to remember what to say or what to do or what comes next, and you just you have to do it. It's kind of like when we do voice. The first time I did voice, I freaked out. I had a script. I tried to follow it. One thing went off script, and I panicked, and it turned out that something went wrong because someone had muted the volume on one of the songs, and I just didn't know what to do. But after a while, you get comfortable, and once the things you have to do become second nature, that's when you can really start to explore and to build and... Like, what my favorite thing to do when hosting is to banter with the audience. Um, you know, I'm doing a game, but someone gives a silly suggestion, I don't mind calling it out. Someone says something kind of inappropriate, I can call them out. If I ask for a noun and someone goes, skiing, you know, I can take that pause and go, really, skiing? The noun skiing? And everyone laughs at the audience, but if you do it right, the person
0: also kind of laughs at themselves, too. So, so you, you've learned through repetition and practice and, and consistently doing this, you've learned to be able to banter back and forth with the audience in such a way where they don't necessarily see it as a negative slight, but more of this is a playful environment that we're going to have fun in.
1: Yeah, and and smiling helps a lot with that. You don't seem like you're yelling at someone if you're smiling, that you kind of put out the vibe that you're joking with them. Okay. And another thing is if you throw in some self-deprecation in there or poke a little fun at yourself first, so that they know that you're not just looking to throw shade on everyone that came to see the show but that you're comfortable
0: kind of giving people a little bit of a hard time. And to be honest, um, that is one of those things where I I feel like I would not necessarily struggle, but I would hesitate because I haven't done it yet, right? And it's whenever someone starts doing something, they want to make sure they don't cross any lines or that there aren't any people whose sentiments or feelings are negatively affected by your approach and i've done stand-up before i've done the whole banter with the audience before i've done that but never in the hosting environment and never here at the national comedy theater i feel like that would be one of the biggest challenges for me is getting from the mechanics of it which is the beginning to flipping that switch and just being natural and being able to interact with an audience member openly
1: Yeah, and even the environment in stand-up versus hosting is a little bit different because when you're doing a stand-up, you can call out one person and turn the rest of the crowd against that one person because that's funny. But when you're a host, you know, look at the word. The word is host. You're inviting people into the experience. You're their chaperone for the night. So when you start picking apart people that you invited into your place, you just look like you're kind of a jerk. And so there's a fine balance, and sometimes you do cross the line. I don't think I've crossed to where I've lost the audience, but there have definitely been some times I've tried to kind of be playful with someone or take a joke, and you kind of get that, like, uh, kind of reaction from the crowd. And, and you just kind of have to trust yourself and roll with it and not let it phase you. Okay. Because sometimes if you let it phase you, they think, oh, my God, was he being serious? Was he actually trying to be mean? Or if you kind of play it off as like, ha, oh,
0: ha, well, you know. You win some, you lose some, then that's and, when they kind of endear themselves to you. And, and to that point, I think that's something that in general we see as a trend in comedy, and it's something that Mel Brooks called out. Oh, Mel, Mel Brooks believes, is awesome. I know, he's one of my favorites. Uh, it's something he called out this week. Political correctness and, you know, across these lines that we're crossing every so often when, when we tell a joke, political correctness is really killing comedy. So we got to be careful about what we say, what we don't say, to not cross those lines because we are still in that environment where we have to be, to a certain degree, politically correct, non-offensive, but it it does become that challenge of, if you do cross the line, there is that risk, and that risk is something we want to avoid at all costs, because we don't want to impact a certain group of audience members enough to where they do not like the show. We want everyone to be part of the experience and good nature.
1: Yeah. There's certain things that are pretty straightforward. You never necessarily want to make fun of someone because of something that they can't change. You know, their personal identity, their belief structure, all that stuff. Everyone's got different worldviews. Everyone's got different upbringings and different experiences. So you respect that. But if someone kind of, you know, stumbles over a word or gives us a suggestion, and if you can see on their face that they know they did it, Or maybe if you can see that they're with a group of people and the group of people are kind of giving them the eye like, oh man, that was silly. That's when you can kind of call it out. It's a give and take. You never want to just start attacking people. But if you kind of see that like, haha, I'm embarrassed, but I'm not upset about it. And people are kind of giving them a a little bit of a hard time like they're friends. That's when you can kind of play around with it. And to
0: be fair, if you follow that up just with that exact same idea... To the players, not just those, to the players themselves and the scene that they're working on. That's one of those items where there's limits to where you can cross the line. You don't want to go too far into who a person is or what they... What limitations someone might have overall or what decisions they made in their life, similar to what you've just talked about. But if it is one of those items where it's obviously one of those things where it's easy to banter about without necessarily crossing a line... It still plays well as a player as well as host. Uh... Yeah, and even, it was also a component
1: to reading the audience and reading the, the play work. There was a show that I did I was hosting, and we did uh, Sing It. You know, where the players go out there and sing, and one of the kind of standard introduction jokes that we do when we play Sing It is to say, Haha, ha, we've got terrible singers for you, or we've got great singers at NCT, but they're not here, so you've got these guys. So we kind of undersell them and make the joke that, like, you know, they can't sing because they're not professional singers. And what I had gotten into the habit of doing early on in hosting is making the joke after the show, like, oh, well, you know, something to the effect of, we told you they weren't good singers, or, haha, you know, clearly we have improv lessons and not music lessons. And I got into the habit of kind of just having that be in my my toolkit and throwing it out there. But I made the mistake of of doing it after what was honestly a very good sing-it- Segment. They they all sang very well. It was funny. It was well done, and I tried to go with punchy like, haha. You know, we're improvisers, not singers. But it fell flat because the audience, frankly, was like, that, that was kind of mean. They actually did a good job and they tried. Um, and that was one time where I just didn't read the audience. And fortunately, they kind of knew what I was trying to do, and it just we all moved past that.
0: So that would be a situation where you what you want to do is learn from or listen to what the game was and yeah. be able to adjust yourself appropriately. For example, turn around and like, obviously, not only do we teach improv here, we got some pretty awesome music lessons, and these guys are products of that, so make sure you check us out. So basically, play those fortes to our advantage, as well as the jokes when it is appropriate. Yeah, That's
1: it's, good. it's it's Honestly, even when you're hosting, you gotta do the SN. and. You can't just look at it and say, this is what I'm going to say no matter what happens. Because that's kind of when you get yourself to a bind.
0: And yes and being the primordial rule in improv. You never want to throw a denial. Saying no is not necessarily a denial, so long as it yes and the scene. Or the conversation that the two characters are having. Or multiple characters, more than two. But it is something that we still struggle with on a regular basis. Yeah. We're not technically professional improvisers, but we are professional improvisers. Uh, the only caveat between professional and us is we don't, Be- get, we, yeah. don't, we don't file taxes saying that we act as improvisers. We don't do that, but people pay to see us. But people do pay to see us. So that's the only difference between us and what most people would say is professional is W2. Like, we don't have that, but we do have every responsibility that any other professional improviser would have. Audience members pay for our shows. We are there to deliver service of escape from what their day-to-day life is and enjoyment to the world that we bring them. And yes-ending is one of those things that will permit them to enjoy the show because they, in fact, would be yes-ending us by enjoying it.
1: The way I've tried to look at it is when I'm doing improv or hosting, I'm having a good time. Messing around with my friends, messing around, playing around, just having a good time. And when there's an audience there, as opposed to just a practice where no one's watching us, we're inviting them into our good time. Yes. You know, it's the, uh, you're out at a bar with friends and you're all telling a really funny story. And there's the guy who didn't contribute anything to the story, but you still want him to enjoy the story and still laugh along and have another round of beer. And that's who the audience is, in my mind, during an improv show. And when you don't yeah, when you don't have fun, then, well, no one in your circle is gonna have fun. But also when you don't yes and, you're also kind of slapping down one of your friends and saying like, ah, oh, no, that story is crap or that story is bullshit and not trusting it. And then the audience goes, well, they're kind of antagonizing each other. Like, they're not on the same page. If they don't trust each other, why should I buy in too? And, and
0: to add to that, it's something that you discussed with me a few weeks ago. Yeah. Specifically, before the show, we used to say good show. When warming up, when getting ready, Man, a few weeks ago, I believe you brought up the whole fact that we don't say good show anymore. We say fun show. Yep. Because it is about the team having fun and inviting the audience member, which is one of the other things that we specifically mentioned about Keeley, who is an amazing woman, host, player, everything. But every time she hosts, she is there bringing the energy and bringing everybody into the fun that is improv because it is fun when you enjoy it.
1: Yeah, and if you don't look like you're having a good time, you can't expect the audience to have a good time. And if instead of trying to look like you're having a good time, just have a good time. You don't have to act that. You have to act so much in improv, don't act like you're having a good time. Just go and have a good time, and everything else will take care of itself.
0: I agree, and that happened a few weeks ago when we seriously thought we were not going to have a show. And last minute, literally as our director for the day was walking down to say not having a show, there was a line out the door that needed to get in because there was more people actually coming for the show. Line out the door. Yeah. Because well, the door was probably closed. It was. Yeah. Uh, but ba- No, it, it wasn't actually closed. I mean, but yeah. Basically, we, we had zero audience members except for two that are SOs of people on the team. And then there was seven to ten people waiting in line to buy tickets. That's awesome. By the time we were about to close down the show. and that show we got dressed last minute we got ready last minute we didn't even warm up technically and it was by far one of the better shows that we've had in the last couple months mainly because we let go of the pressure yeah don't think and we went to have fun was it a Douglas Adams don't think or don't panic Uh, don't know Douglas Adams I'll have to oh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy oh dude sorry my yeah, mindset Douglas is Adams. completely yeah. my mindset don't is panic, not but, uh... in, in yeah. Hitchhiker's Guide sorry that's 42, my friend. Yes, there we go. Um, but in any case, one of the other aspects of, of improv that we struggle with is that awkward silence, and that is both in response to what we're doing from the audience, the awkward silence, as well as from each other, right? Uh, and one of the things we actually covered today specifically was awkward silence. Be comfortable with that in, in a couple of different situations, one of which today happened to be Naive Replay. Yeah. Uh, in which case, for those listening, Naive Replay is where we have four different players involved, but only one player that's joining the scene at a given time while the entire scene happens. In other words, we start with one who runs through the entire scene. Basically pretending- with
1: invisible players. Yes. And then you do four iterations of the scene, and every iteration another player fills in for one of the invisible players. So you start off with the one person. There's four characters but only one actual improviser. Second round has two improvisers. And then two invisible characters, and then three improvisers, one invisible character, and finally all four people fill
0: in. Yeah, and that's one of those games where the reason behind the comment of awkward silence is that first player literally has to perform as if there's three other players on on stage with him. With that awkward silence, uh, they're not saying anything to, they're not listening from, they're not technically reacting, but the first player is.
1: It's kind of like, do um, you ever hear the concept of with a hard hat and a reflective vest you can get anywhere? I've not heard that concept. All right. Well, if you buy a hard hat and a reflective vest and just walk in anywhere, people think you're doing something important, like construction or something. Just act like you belong there. Act like it's okay, and people are like, "All right, sure, it's fine." And so, with, with the scene, it's like you walk out and you're like, "It's silent. I don't care. It doesn't phase me." and it's
0: not awkward it's not cringy so you're basically saying make your presence what it is be there just control the tone the audience if you're doing
1: improv the audience is rooting for you and if you sit there and you look squeamish they're going to feel uncomfortable it's going to be cringy for them but if you if you go out there and you go on stage and you stare at them for 10 minutes and don't say anything but you look confident as hell they're going to be like oh my god the next thing he says is going to be hilarious even if you just go hello Like,
0: it will break the tension. And to be fair, that applies to short, awkward silences as well. And I'll point out today, uh, we did pan uh, pan left, pan right. And there was one particular scene with Neverland between Joe and Afton, I believe. Uh, Yeah. So it was Joe and Afton. And when it got to them, it was a slight... Awkward silence, maybe no more than 10 seconds. But Joe came in with a falsetto, and that falsetto was so unexpected. He was doing a voice? What was that? He was doing a voice? He did a voice for that. I thought that was his real voice. No, no, no. His real voice was in the other scene. Oh. You know, where he has an actual normal manly voice. He talks like this because he's from Bass and everything's wicked ass. Yeah, you know, he's from Bass. He said Uh, wicked three times
1: to me during the show today.
0: You know what? It's it's Boston. You, you can take the boy out of Boston, but you can't take Boston out of the boy. I
1: assume that it, he was feeling comfortable or something. It was wicked. It's, I don't know. Yeah. Wicked and glorious.
0: But he did come in with that falsetto, and that was by far one of the better points that I saw from him tonight in terms of a completely different side of Joe that I'm used to seeing. Yeah. He's always awesome, but that specific moment, although we typically don't want to do falsettos, it worked,
1: and the best part is because he committed to it. Yes, he didn't fall settle back down. He he said it. The first words came out, and then he had this look in his face, like, "Yeah, no, this is how it's going to be." So everyone better just accept it because it's going to be
0: this. And not only did he do that, when they left and came back to those scenes, he kept the false settle. He, he kept didn't. The character. He didn't
1: backpedal. He didn't tiptoe away from it he's like nope it's still falsetto I'm doubling down on this.
0: and I've gotta I've gotta admit most times when you see pan left pan right and you do a falsetto or some crazy voice or something the audience is not going to remember it necessarily if you come back and let it go yeah so oftentimes you might see people letting it go but no Joe stuck to it today and the- that dedication to characters is something that we all need to make sure we do as well. I mean, I, I struggle making sure that I keep that same accent or the same vocal tone or posture or anything else within a show in a given scene. And I think he was exemplary tonight and the approach that he took for that one. And being able to shift to his other character with Corey.
1: Yeah, that, that was a good... Sh- the thing about being a character that's so tough is that you may come in and and as you're about to enter a scene, you go, I think this scene could use this. And so you come out and you've got a character, you've got a shtick, you've got a posture, a, a limp, a, an accent, a, you talk real slow or something. There's some unique thing about you to define your character. But then as you actually get into the scene and you want to be listening and yes standing, your mental capacity is all focused on that. Yep. And it's very easy to be like, I need to listen and respond in a way that makes sense in the context of the scene and then completely forget like, oh yeah, I'm... S-
0: I'm supposed to be talking like this because I'm Joe Bandini with a falsetto.
1: But like, to stick with that
0: takes a lot of mental capacity. And to be honest, basically he was able to embody the character but still listen. He did something that I absolutely love, by the
1: way, in the fantasy scene in Pan Left, La- Pan Right, So we always get fantasy and it's literally always Hogwarts or Narnia... Neverland once in a while, but it's usually Hogwarts or Narnia. And the go-to always is, I'm going to be a character that everyone knows. But I think it's so damn brilliant and so creative when you are just a nondescript person in this world. If you are doing Star Wars and you do a random stormtrooper who is out on leave and trying to talk with his wife, like I find those scenes to be so interesting because if you're not doing that, you're just kind of playing the old trope of, like, I'm Darth Vader, blah, 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 And Joe, Basically, who Joe is the that?
0: real person in this world?
1: Yeah, No no one wants to see a recap of a story everyone knows. No one wanted him to be Tinkerbell talking to Peter Pan, going, we got to stop uh, Captain uh, Hook. It was, oh, my God, he's just maybe Tinkerbell's younger cousin who's dealing with uh, the roommate who's struggling. And it's like, you, you kind of have that world built. You don't have to do all that work, but you can explore it so much as opposed to just, rehashing a story everyone knows.
0: Not everyone in the world is a lead character. No one's a lead
1: character except in their own life. And in improv, you're watching slices of other people's lives, and so you want to see them be the lead character. You don't want to see them be like, I'm just a stormtrooper, but here's Darth Vader. Let's all focus on Darth Vader. You want to know about the guy who bumped his head uh, when he walked onto the ship to get Princess Leia or whatever that scene was. Yeah,
0: you want to make sure that you understand everybody because everyone's got their own viewpoint and not... I will drive around the highway, and I look at other drivers in cars, and I wonder, where are they going? You should probably be focusing on where you're driving. That's also true, but don't tell anyone. Okay. Uh, No one will know. Of course they won't. Basically, what I I focus on, if you will, while I'm driving, because I am paying attention, is I imagine where these people might be going. What is their life? Are they going back home to a mansion? Are they going home to a two-bedroom garage? Because, you know, sometimes people convert garages to bedrooms. Are they Two-car two, uh,
1: two garage, you want it to be a two-bedroom garage.
0: I said two-bedroom garage. Yeah, because no, it's, it's one car per bedroom, one bedroom per car. Hey, sometimes people convert garages to bedrooms. But no, I'm uh, aware. Yeah. Right. Or are they going back to, like, a, a double-wide? I mean, you don't know where people's paths have taken them in life, and it's something interesting to think about because it also gives you ideas for characters. That's just my personal opinion. Isn't like
1: a double-bedroom in a, a, double a two-car garage? It's kind of one of the
0: same, no? Oh, well, except for the fact that you can pick up the house and put it on wheels and take it somewhere else.
1: That's true. Unless your bed's a race car, then you can also pick it up, take it on wheels, and go somewhere my else. My
0: bed was not a race car as a child, but it was a truck. Yeah.
1: Okay. By the way, um, since we're talking about childhood, I'm really disappointed I got called out for uh, referencing Season 2 of the
0: Pokemon League. To be fair... Uh, you said Pokemon yeah, right I know. before that. I know. So maybe you should have said Friends Season 2, and it would have been a little bit easier because no, no, no one said Friends tonight. No,
1: they did because I was going to say um, – no, pretty sure they said Friends. I don't think they did. I just – Jodo League is basically a different show. So for
0: those listening, that game was Dirty Hand Randy, which is a category-based game. If you repeat an answer in a category, you're out. If you hesitate, you're out. If you spit on the host, which tonight happened to be Andrea. You're out. Yeah, and Steve, it's rude to spit. Don't spit. And Steve, twice in a row, was pointed at. First time he says Pokemon. Yep. Second time he said Pokemon season two. It's different. It's got a
1: different name. It's got a different IMDb page. Uh, it's it's Jota League. It's very different. There's different it's Pokemon. Pokemon. No, no. That's like
0: saying. Um, well, I can't think of another analogy. Exactly. It's like saying it's Pokemon. Either way, uh, one of the other things that we were able to discuss today was Panamime. And the, uh, the the biggest thing with Panamime is establishing the space work. And the Panamime and Awkward Silence paired in together with Naive Replay today. And I feel like during the show... We didn't get that much opportunity to go through pantomime exercises. We didn't have a lot of, of
1: games with a lot of heavy scene work. Pan yes. left, pan right is one usually, but it's hard to do scene work there because you're kind of trying to stay in your space for rotation. Yes. And if you move around too much, and you kind of lose the rotation. Um, well,
0: but even even still, I feel like in pan left, pan right, we did a decent amount of pantomime as yeah, compared right, to everything you're right. else. You're right. I mean, you've got the hawaii scene you got i mean it was Corey and joe holding hands while they're looking out into the horizon and you can envision that
1: and you know what kudos to Corey and joe for getting a hawaii scene which we get all the time and not just doing luau's and coconuts because yeah. that's always the go-to they made it something different and it was fantastic they made it a relationship it is about the
0: relationship and that's one of the other things that we and it wasn't with. a honeymoon relationship too because that's always the go-to oh we're on our honeymoon in hawaii i love it and you know, whatever it they were able to do something that we struggle with. They took it to the next level, and it, it blew me away when I was in the back of the room. To be honest, yeah. I I don't, I don't think it could have been gone so different and so well. Well, they had the
1: audience completely hooked. There was one moment where Corey reached over, and gleefully grabbed Joe's hand, and when they clasped hands together, it, the audience erupted in
0: laughter, and it just it just it worked. And the audience may have erupted in laughter. I erupted in picture-taking, so I've got evidence. Um, And and it is one of those things where you have to commit yourself to the characters. Oftentimes people hesitate because of personal um, issues, hesitation, whatever you want to call it, where they don't let go of themselves into the character. And because of that, they struggle to fully jump into what the scene is yeah whereas joe and Corey today let go completely and i think it worked out great
1: for the longest time i always got the note of hey steve you're steve in every scene and it's like all right well thanks i'm i'm getting laughed so i guess i'm funny but i should really stop being the same guy in every scene and, and when you can do that and be someone else like joe and, and cory did today like
0: And to be fair, it's not just Joe and Corey. I mean, we did um, Deck of Fate, which ended up being good, bad advice. Yeah. And although we made the mistake of not having four people up on stage right away, the three characters today were awesome. I mean, we've Mm. got Brian, who did the drum circle wannabe feather. He was definitely a a hippie new age guy. Yeah, hippie new age guy. We had James, who had the pirate. Yep. Yep. And then we had our super bad advice, which was whom?
1: Uh, it was Jim Bart. Uh, he he was a Creole speaker from uh, South Dakota, apparently, and he he farmed mung beans. Um, none of the three things I believe actually go together. Someone from Creole country, probably, and if I to go to South Dakota, and I don't know if you can farm mung beans in South Dakota. So I don't I don't
0: know what you can do in South Dakota, and I don't
1: think there is probably cattle ranching and Mount uh, Rushmore.
0: Uh, Mount Rushmore Mount Rushmore in South Dakota uh, well now I've learned something new about my country they there you for teaching me yeah it's got four dudes on it uh, it's they're kind of important you know presidential yeah. and whatnot uh, but basically you did a good job in that scene nice. uh, your accent was not you you were able to be someone different which is great yeah um, although it was one of those where when Adam was hosting he struggled to understand and you correctly like, corrected him
1: Wait, I think it was I think the game with that character that I was playing is I was kind of poking fun at an accent that may be hard to understand sometimes and I was kind of memory like this, and I was moving in and out of like just mumbling nonsense and actually saying words. And what Adam did was awesome. He noticed that I was kind of doing the mumbly uh, Southern Creole accent thing and called me out and said, "Hey, what was your name again?" And he thought my name was Jim Bob, but I doubled down on what I had said and said, "No, my name is Jim ba. As if, like, Bob is not what Bah means. And then throughout the scene, like, that kind of set the tone because I had one answer where I said something coherent, and then I just ended up rambling and mumbling into just making sounds that sort of sound like words but clearly aren't. But because that established, like, my guy talks like this, and if you don't understand it, it's completely intelligible to me. Um, and it actually got laughs because people were like, well, I get it. Like, his, you know, Creole people would probably understand what he's saying, but no one else does.
0: And I think it played off really well. I mean, it was um, its one of the better scenes tonight, in my opinion. It was a great game. And yeah. we did, because of the size of the audience and the interaction with the audience, struggle with some of the questions. Yeah. But that is what it is to have the Deck of Fate. You don't necessarily know what's going to come the up. The Deck of Fate. And yeah, the Deck of Fate. Uh, and one of the other things that we saw today, and, and I think pantomime doesn't necessarily work for that scene, but it did play. I mean, when I say it doesn't work for that scene, it's not a requirement of that scene. Well, because you're sitting
1: in a chair, so there's only yeah. some. Like, I was trying to uh, stuff my face full of uh, tobacco
0: and, and I saw spit that. it you're, out, you but did, you can't did the chewing much. tobacco, yeah. which worked well. Tobacco. 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 And the other scene that used the stools as well. Was um, the uh, crime story? Crime story. Dun, dun. And we had Afton and James. Dun, 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 dun. Great character for James. I feel like he stood there and specifically changed not just his posture, but his attire. He flipped up yeah. the collar. He had swag. He had swag. He had the actual embodiment of what it is to be someone who doesn't care about authority, smoking a cigarette, pantomime, of course. Uh, and doing everything else. And well, then I then think Afton he clarified he
1: was not smoking a cigarette; it was something else.
0: Right, but we're not going to say that. Probably for the a cigarillo.
1: Went,
0: cigarillo. We'll stick with that. And then Acton had her own posture and and change. She's of very prim and proper. And very prim yeah. and proper. Which, when you see these two cr- quote unquote criminals doing that, it's like they don't mix. But it's an interesting they do status
1: because they're they're the criminals. So by default, they should be lower status. You or at least you would assume. Um, because they haven't been found guilty. They're innocent to prove guilty. Uh, but they the way that she had her status, she was kind of like running the show. And the one thing that they did, ab- like all four people in the scene, they absolutely crushed, is even though there was a game involved, they didn't abandon the scene. And Correct. in some games, and I, I am so guilty of this, um, I am competitive by nature, so I see a game and I go, the game is to accomplish defeat and win and, and finish your goal. At the expense of the scene, sometimes, but because they had worked so hard to set up the scene, when they had a little bit of a rut where they couldn't quite guess the clue, they were able to rely on the scene to make it entertaining. And in the yes. past, without that scene building, that world building, sometimes they kind of get there, and it's just like, is it this? No, is it this? And no, random pun? No, and it gets
0: it gets awkward. But it to they, be it fair, wasn't. I think that's something we did struggle in tonight on a different game. Schoolyard insults. That game tonight... That was an interesting example because so there were I, a number of things that were off. I, I stepped out for that game so I can watch it fresh as one of the players is trying to guess. Yeah. I had Crystal Long, one of our other former Sunco, now mainstage, used to run our mashup uh, series... And that has now been handed off to Sharon Scari, who's, by the way, also awesome. Uh, so and he, also former
1: Sunco. Also former yeah. Sunco,
0: current main stage. So Chris DeLong and I were in the back row next to Colby before Colby had to head out. And because I had stepped away, I was able to confer with him and guess appropriately in terms of what was being shown. Just from my own practice, if you will.
1: Yeah, so there was a, a big disconnect, and I, I take a lot of responsibility for it. Um, I had forgotten the format of the game. And Andrea was hosting, and uh, she hadn't hosted this particular game, so she was asking me for advice, and I kind of just blanked on her. Um, So when we got the three clues, I was sitting there, and I was trying to arrange them in an order. And I I remember, I realized I didn't know what order the clue, you know, there's a noun, an adjective, and a verb, and I didn't know what order they were supposed to go in. So I just kind of made up an order and went with it. And And when when Andrea switched to the other team, I think it was Afton, read it in the correct order and because uh, i was so focused on trying to break down the syllables i hadn't heard what brian said and andrea confirmed or sorry afton said and andrea confirmed so we
0: did a completely different order of words and yes. clues that the other side did and they were right and then we were wrong because i frankly messed it and, up and it's i wouldn't call it a mess up i call it a learning opportunity and it's one of those things well, where in the back of the room i was conferring with chris along and very much confused because the first word, a couple of clues in, and I confirmed with him, yes, I got the right word. The second one, I believe Afton's team started.
1: They were working on uh, hippopotamus, yes, and we were working on experiment, and we should have been working on hippopotamus.
0: Yes, and as soon as they started with their first clue, I turned to Chris and confirmed that I got the right answer, uh, hippopotamus, because the, the indicating clue was hip. Yep. And hippopotamus is Not many in, nouns are
1: going to start with hip, except right. for hip and hippopotamus and hip hop and Hipendectomy, which is when you get your hip hip removed
0: yeah but there's only like two or three actual nouns Hipster. with hip in it but that's not three syllables uh, hippogriff that's three syllables stir hipposter
1: hiposter it's a person who is uh, really progressive about wanting
0: to ensure medical privacy and stops and stalls and you know stutters in the middle with hipa hipa Hip-uh-
1: yeah they're also insure themselves which is why they stutter
0: yeah and it's all regulatory compliance anyway cuz yeah. hipa uh, but it basically, I was able to confirm hippopotamus, and then I saw you guys Hip-hip-hop? doing acts. Hip Hop Anonymous? I'm the hippopotamus. Damn you, you gave all the easy ones. Bottomless. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, uh. But basically, yeah, no, we were on the wrong word. And it was a wrong word, and I didn't understand the two. Now, I will say this the gushing of blood. Oh, my God. Disgusting. That, was, that was fun that was good and then the try for the gushers candy yep that was good but it was tough
1: yeah gush is a uh, because we were doing so we're tracking back now to disgusting and um i didn't know how to do gus which i guess you do some sort of like southern trope or baba trope uh, so we went for gush and uh we just did gushing blood we did gushers and that's about all you can really do for gush. Maybe yeah, gushing then, over someone, but that's more like fawning, and it could be kind of difficult.
0: To and then the consider. other team got the clue. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. The other team might right. have picked it up from us, but but I think the the biggest takeaway from that was specifically the order of the words, and it is adjective noun verb, and it became a challenge as an audience member to understand what was going on because of that disconnect. Now, if you had both made that mistake and said we are discussing that experimenting is done by hippopotami, you know, uh, yeah. the, the adjective followed by the verb and then the noun, which I believe is what your team was trying to do. Yeah. If both teams had done that, it's a wash.
1: Now, to be fair, um, you know how the game is supposed to be played, and yes. you and Chris both do. The audience doesn't, and I think the audience, after they saw what we were doing versus the other team, I think they assumed that we were allowed to do it in any order. And so they were just like, haha, they can't get the clue as opposed to, oh my god, they're doing the wrong sequence. And I so we didn't lose the audience. I actually think they were very entertained. And I, I think you're right, I think they also picked up on some of the clues that we weren't able to quite connect with on uh, with the the insulter. So I, I think they were on our side even though we were frankly, I was messing up the game. Which is you, so, you know, and we that all, win, we all that make win. mistakes.
0: But I will say that today, although you made that mistake now we take that as a note for future reference yeah. to always know the games because I have seen where we make mistakes in the past. Mistakes are just not game.
1: mistakes that you haven't done yet.
0: That was confusing. No, that was, yes. that was deep.
1: Mistakes are lessons and opportunities for improvement.
0: Yes, and one of those that we've had in the past is specifically around knowing the game. We had Deck of Fate. We had, I believe it was Foreign Movie... And then we did oh, no, was, we had interpreter. Yep, yep. We had yep, interpreter, yep. and instead of interpreter, we did foreign movie. Why? Because it bounced from one person, the host, trying to explain the game, not knowing it, handing it off to a player. That player, not knowing it, handing it off to another player. That player, not knowing it, handing it off to Mister Voice, and Mister Voice, not knowing it, handing it off to our final player, who stepped in and just gave an explanation, which happened to be the wrong game, but it kind of. And that's the thing. Bro- just, it brought the audience back.
1: It goes back to the hard hat and the reflective vest. Just go with it and just sound confident and, you know, whatever. Just just have a good time. Like, we messed up the order. Brian and I realized it, and I was like, oh, I'm sorry, dude. I, I got the wrong order. But we just owned it, and we kept going with the same word. We didn't try to switch words. And so the audience was like, okay, cool. That's that's
0: fine. We're going to go with it. Just and to be fair, in that forward. situation, I believe you were giving clues to James. Yeah. If James had guessed, experiment. You gotta be honest, with the other team guessing hippopotamus, James would have gotten all three words because I mean, he would have won, was going we on. We would
1: have cheated and gone straight to the third that page would of the cheating, test. Right, yeah.
0: still. But basically, but it, there's, a a lot there's a lot to learn. I mean, there's improv is not the tidiest of things. It is not. It's not easy. supposed to be, though. It's, no, it's a challenge because yeah. you have to make things up while having those things make sense.
1: Yeah, I. I can't not make things up and have things make sense. Like, the real-world things don't make sense to me sometimes. How am I going to make up stuff that makes that sense? That sounds
0: like a personal problem.
1: No, no, I mean, like, globally.
0: Globally. Yeah, like,
1: I mean, that's out of my life, like, general things.
0: Oh, like, you know, being married and a kid?
1: No, more like... So, like, I was at Costco today, and I was trying to make a left turn to get back on the main road. But the road I was turning on was a two-lane road, but it had a white line divider, but it's supposed to be yellow. Like, that doesn't make sense to me.
0: But, but why... I don't know I feel like What's
1: Because uh, the, the divisor Between uh, opposite lane roads Is always supposed to be yellow Not necessarily But if it's a white dotted line It looks like it's just A lane divider Okay You said uh, here's white another, dotted Here's another thing that, okay. that doesn't make sense Why does Chick-fil-A Have a, a stand In a football stadium An NFL stadium Because They're sometimes close. They have Monday
0: night games And Thursday night games Cheers to that So
1: they, they built a thing For one night a week It doesn't make sense why I is why I just is Jada June case nights as hard as it gets? Yeah, but you don't play uh, Monday and Thursday nights often, so they built a stadium uh, food stand for one. Chick
0: is trying to promote their level of religiosity, yeah. and that's something that they want to do. No, that's Let fine. them do their thing. It's just, I'm it's not a fan of it. But backwards, whatever. the business decision. It is. It yeah. is. It'd be like In and Out building a stadium and having it open on Thurs uh, Sundays, except for the fact that In n Out doesn't close on Sundays.
1: So it's not quite like that then But In-N-Out's also It's like a church being closed on Sundays yeah. Priest work on Sundays I will,
0: I will accept that I will accept that But you know In-N-Out is also a Christian organization That's true Not a 503C But they are uh, They self-identify Are they good?
1: I've never been to Chick-fil-A
0: I don't go to Chick-fil-A specifically because of what they stand for. That's intense. Okay. So I will avoid them at all costs, and I have made that point.
1: I've been to Taco Bell on Tuesdays. Well, you They're
0: know. They're open on Tuesdays. That's, that's, that's a horrible Taco Tuesday experience, in my opinion. Well, yeah. Because I would go for real tacos on that day. Like, I you know, know it's the El Bordo with... or okay. El Hibbertos, Roberto's, Humberto's, Gilberto's. Or... What about Taco Bertos? That's not real. <laughs> it could be. No, that's like Taco Bell, and then you drop the double L and went for the R-T-O-S.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, you're completely right.
0: Yeah, English, spelling. Well, but
1: I think we're talking Spanish right now, though.
0: <laughs> Fine, you win this time. <laughs> hey,
1: Esteban.
0: Esteban, Abushkas. I don't know if there's a...
1: Non Slavic pronunciation of Bush. Talk. I don't think there is. Yeah. Uh,
0: and it's weird because you don't look Slavish to me.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. I feel like I've got the hairline.
0: You may have the hairline, but yeah. you've got the dark hair and the beard. People, someone who can say Taco Bell?
1: I've, I've gotten uh, Mediterranean. Okay. I've gotten um, Catalanian. Catalonian?
0: Catalonian. So, um, with those two yeah. and other things that you've gotten in the past, do you think it's something that you leverage to build characters?
1: Uh, I can, yeah. I um,
0: well, what well, you can—that means you don't right I, now. So no, I don't. I mean, although no yes.
1: all the characters based on my family would um, I so it's weird. I can't do a slot. I can't do like a Polish accent.
0: I can't either because I don't know what it sounds like.
1: It, it's a lot of like Slavic languages, like Polish, is a lot of like kind of slurry
0: sounds. I feel like I struggle with other accents similar to that, like German. German, I just try yelling, and it doesn't so, work. I'm, I was I was in I'll, with NCT. We have multiple types of workshops. I was in workshop level four. Yeah, with a German individual, and he came in and did this entire scene, which made no sense about freaking dolphins and stuff. And he'd come in and say things like, No, you know, I was out there with the dolphins and they were dancing and making good sense and fun at the same time. That was awesome. And so it bad. was uh, very decent for me to really dance with them and swimming with the dolphins because you have to be careful because sometimes the sharks that dance with the dolphins and then they die because they bleed too much. And it was one of those things where I didn't know I could do a German accent until I made fun of that guy. That was a
1: good German accent, by the you way. Did You're did. selling yourself short.
0: Uh, it was one of those things where All of my German accents
1: are yelling! And I don't.
0: That's is uh, not exactly German, you know. So it's one of those where I, I, I struggle, but it's all good, you know. Wow. Speaking, we had fun. Speaking of, uh, <laughs> but in any case, yeah. there's been a lot that we've discussed tonight, specifically around the show and the progress, and and one of the and a lot of the takeaways really. Yeah. And uh, I think we've covered a great deal, Steve. Thank you very much for spending your time with me. Thank you, Christian. It's been uh, it's been an awesome show. Everyone, thank you for listening to Sunco. Have an adequate Adequate night. Have a very quiet and relaxing evening. Have an adequate day. Do we have like a sign-off catchphrase? Uh, We don't. And that's the way the cookie crumbles. And that's the way the improv adequates. That
1: didn't work. No, No, I I think if you make adequate a verb, it has to be adequate.
0: And that's the way the improv adequates. You know, like syndicate
1: Ah. becomes syndicate.
0: Hey, it's okay. Don't worry about it. We're going to make some fun times. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. Adequate. Adequate. Sunco. Adequate. Nah, that's enough. And we're out. (laughs) All right, everyone. Thanks for stopping in. We will catch you all next week. Ciao, Bella. Ciao, bellows. All right. This is Christian Xavier signing off alongside Steve Boushka. All right, everyone. See you next week. This has been Adequate, the Sunday Company After Show, live from the Regal Beagle. Thanks for listening.